You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, it's a common complaint that B2B marketing is kind of boring, and a commonly mentioned remedy is storytelling. And the idea, as I've always understood it, is that B2B brands can learn a lot from B2C brands and from like media outlets about how to tell more compelling stories. But I've always wondered, you know, what does effective storytelling actually look like in a B2B context? Now, my guest today, Sarah Moore, has a lot to say on this topic. Sarah is Chief Marketing Officer at Beekeeper, a frontline success system. Sarah, Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm really happy to be here with you today. So before we dive in, tell us just a little bit about Beekeeper. So we solve the massive and incredibly expensive problem that exists in every frontline business, which is the disconnect between their workforce, 70 or 80% of which works in frontline jobs, don't sit at desks, don't sit behind a laptop. They're on their feet, they're wearing protective equipment, they're working with customers, manufacturing facilities, construction sites. And those employees tend to be totally disconnected from one another and definitely from home office or corporate. And so this disconnect is something that's real. As in the, uh, the world that we live in today, I think there isn't a human being on the planet that hasn't felt the importance or the impact of a well-running frontline business, whether it's your grocery store or you name it, your healthcare facilities. And we believe it's long do to solve frontline disconnect. So our frontline system does exactly that by giving workers everything they need right on the, the on their phone, mobile phones, in the language that they speak to do great work. So that would mean everything from employee services like their paycheck, their shifts, to training, onboarding, to communication and collaboration, allowing them, giving them a secure way to talk to each other, to their manager, to corporate, to receive corporate communications, collaborate, solving problems, doing great work. And then also automating a lot of the work that is unfortunately still stuck in pen and paper and making frontline jobs even harder. And so in today's market, in manufacturing companies, construction companies, healthcare facilities, retail establishments, hospitality, you name it, it's long time for workers to be given the kinds of productivity support that you and I have in tech jobs. And so that's what we're all about. We have about a thousand companies, customers globally, over half a million frontline workers use our software on a weekly basis or daily basis worldwide. And we love what we do. Awesome. Well, very cool. And, you know, I really like that you, your response, and you started with kind of a little story, you know? And which is a perfect segue into what we're actually talking about, the value of storytelling and B2B marketing. So let me start right there. Why is storytelling like such a buzzword, such a big deal amongst B2B marketers? I don't know if I agree that it's a buzzword. I think of it more, and I come to this conversation with strong bias, as you alluded to at the the top. I think it's more just a, a fundamental way that humans interact, make decisions, build relationships, learn our histories, as I said, make decisions, is we're wired for story. We're wired to, to understand what Joseph Campbell called the, hu- the hero's journey. And you can look across religions, you can look across politicians, you can look back in history. 
stories are how we educated our population even before there were, you know, pens, papers, computers, et cetera. So I view it as just a, a fundamental way. If you're a business of any kind trying to be persuasive and, and drive some sort of decision or purchase, and you're not thinking about what you do in the form of story, then I think those are the companies that are guilty of that boring B2B marketing that you alluded to at the top, because it tends to be really selfish. It tends to put themselves in the center. It tends to focus on facts, figures, ideas that nobody has a reason to care about. So whether you're B2B SaaS company like Beekeeper or a B2C company selling, you name it, storytelling is just a fundamental way to do great marketing. And yeah. Okay. So I, I take your point that, right, it's it's not just a buzzword that sort of implies that it's like, you know. Like a flash they, in the pan, like it's going to yeah, go like away. Yeah, like a fad yeah. or something. But right, right. But, but, but right, it's something more more kind of bedrock than that. Yeah, for sure. So, and, you know, as you were saying, a lot of that kind of boring type of B2B content maybe is boring specifically because it's too self-focused mm-hmm. on the company's products or the company's, the company itself or so on. Which would suggest that good storytelling is focused elsewhere, focused on the customer, focused mm-hmm. on the prospect. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So where selfish marketing starts with me, really great storytelling starts with the hero, which in a business should be your customer. So who is your hero? Start there. Get into their heart, their mind. Think about their daily challenges, the things that that would motivate a purchase? Like what problems are you solving? What value are you bringing to the table? That's where any great marketing starts is with your audience, right? And the same is true for a story. Give me some examples of, if you can, of the kind of stories you guys tell at Beekeeper. Well, we, like every marketer who's, who's listening, spend a lot of time doing audience identification and segmentation by in our case, industry, country, language, and also persona. So for us, we're, we're thinking about an HR professional, an operations manager running, running a manufacturing plant or a store, a CEO who's, trying, who's dealing with uncertain economic times, dealing with the labor shortage, dealing with an, an employee population that might be distracted, disengaged. And so those are the heroes that, that we think about. So what kinds of great stories do we tell? Well, we think that our audience is in varying stages of awareness about who we are and what we do, or even the problem that we solve. So some of the stories that we tell are about the problem, frontline disconnect, because we know we have to educate the world that this problem is not only real and inconvenient, but really crazy expensive and a major source of risk in any given business or opportunity cost. So that's one type of story that we'll tell. But some of our favorite stories are the success stories. Also, every, every, every marketer that, that tunes into your audience will, will probably get what I'm talking about. The, the, all, what are all the different ways that we can tell stories of success, not on our own, you know, as a theory, but what kind of proof can we, can we bring to the conversation in the form of our customers sharing the success that they've achieved by using our products and services? So one really cool example of storytelling that, that we are, we're starting to lean into more and more is not just the buyers I spoke about, our CEO, our operations or general manager, our HR professional, but the users themselves. I told you half a million users use, use Beekeeper across mm-hmm. all those industries and all those, all those countries globally. Well, we love to celebrate those people. 
and how much they love using our product. Because one of the biggest obstacles to B2B marketing and SaaS is the skepticism that you run into with your buyers that, hey, is your product really going to work? Are my people actually going to use it? Like, doesn't matter how much I spend on it. If nobody uses it, it'll be a waste of money. So we started investing in this last year. We, we went out to our customers and asked for nominations of frontline heroes and got flooded with nominations, ran a whole program, the Beekeeper Frontline Hero Award that went out in our Frontline Success Summit last November. We honored five heroes and in the, in the midst of that event, and it was easily the most favorite part of our program, both our internal employees our attendees and our customers, the other speakers that we had all gave us raving reviews about the 30-minute segment where we told the user stories, how they use the product, what awesome individuals they are, what they mean to their organizations. And that is like firmly rooted in our purpose as a business. And so it, it, it made a lot of sense. You know, it felt really rewarding for that investment and that experiment to pay off. And we're in the process of kind of trying to weave that that type of, of marketing and content creation into our engine going forward. So we've got a lot of great ideas in the works in the mm. hopper, but yeah, that's, that's, that's cool content. And that's the kind of stuff that, that really is, it makes the job more fun too. You know? Yeah. Wow. What a great example. That's such a great idea. Look to your customers. And I like that the, the frontline heroes, that almost sounds like a TV show or something, you know, <laughs> and it sounds like you got a great response how did you tell those stories and what, in what medium did, what medium did you use to tell them? Uh, video primarily. So we, we conducted video interviews, produced video content mm-hmm. that we played during the, during the ses- segment. And we also did live interviews that we recorded. So we had kind of real conversations with real people. And in the year 2023, if you're, if you don't have video as a major slice of your content pie, then you're making a mistake. So it was, yeah. it was predominantly video. Now we're working on repackaging, slicing up the Thanksgiving turkey and, and serving it a bunch of different ways, mm-hmm. you know, to, the, to our audience. And so that will also continue to show up in our social media in both kind of static or, or video kind of f- formats. We mm-hmm. have a lot of other great ideas. But in their words, not ours, yeah. in, in, a, in a format that people are just attuned to, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, in my mind, I immediately started thinking like you, that's a podcast right there. Frontline heroes. That's what it's called. And you, you know, you just get a bunch of these stories and Mm -hmm. feed, you know, you record audio and video, do it video, do it audio. You got the whole, it's just like, that's like a, uh, like a content source that'll never run dry probably. Exactly. And it feels good. So the other, here's the other reason I believe so much in storytelling it forces you to put the hero in the center of the story and the hero mm-hmm. is never you. It's always your audience. So that's a really important practice. It's also tends to be inherently emotional, mm. which is part of why it's more persuasive way to tell the story. Like nobody's going to get the good feels about digitizing processes or automating workflows. Like there's nothing like who cares? So what? But if you can tell the story about Sharon Choi, who, who mans the, the HR help desk at Resorts World Las Vegas, which is a 5,000-person property on the Las Vegas Strip, all of their employees get Beekeeper on the first day of their job. They all, all departments at Beekeeper at Resorts World use Beekeeper. This is the largest Hilton property in the Western Hemisphere. Anyway, I can tell you all that cool, all those stats about yeah. Resorts World, but hearing about Sharon Choi 
and hearing her get excited about being able to show her colleagues and answer all the questions in a much faster, easier way that Beekeeper gives her, you know, the, the, the best way to, to, to serve her internal customers. Like that's far more interesting and compelling than me saying, hey, we helped Resorts World Las Vegas onboard 5,000 employees during COVID over a span of weeks instead of months because they did it all on their phone without having to fill out a piece of paper. That's also a story. Yeah. It's just a little less emotional. Yeah. It's more clinical. I give you the stats of the case study, but mm-hmm. hearing about Sharon using the product, loving the product, her submission was a beautiful graphic that she drew and illustrated, and it was really cool. That that made everybody feel good. Mm. And you're going to remember that part of the story way more than the stats, facts, and figures that all of us marketers have a, have a penchant for getting out in the world. Right. I was going to say it's... I think a story is not only more engaging, but it's also naturally more memorable. You're yep. just, you're not going to remember a list of things, stats, figures, facts. It's Features, functions. Yeah. You're not going to remember that, you know, but a story, you might not remember every detail, but you'll remember the basic contours of it because like you said, our brains are wired for that. Yeah. You know? So it's just something that's going to stick more. So I am one of my big influences and all-time heroes is a poet who has passed, but her name is Maya Angelou. Mm, and sure. she, she has a quote that I carry with me all the time, which is, people will never remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. Mm. That's not just true in your personal relationships. I think it's true in B2B. So if you can tap into the feels of your business then you're more persuasive, you're more interesting and engaging, but you're also, people are going to remember you over the, I mean, we all have laundry list of competitors that we compete against. And we honestly, if you put yourself in the audience shoes, many of us look, sound, talk the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so the emotional element is another, another reason why not just checking the box on storytelling, but finding the really good stuff is, yeah. is part of the key to success. You mentioned that, the stories that you're describing are stories essentially about success, right? This flashed through my mind the other day. Tell me what you think. That some of the most compelling stories are stories not necessarily of success, but of failure or struggle. Yeah. You know? And I've I've wondered, you know, it it I, I was like, what if what if there was a podcast? Maybe I should start this podcast called like famous marketing disasters marketing or something. Fails. Yeah. 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 You know, cause everyone has them and sometimes they're hilarious. Sometimes they're tragic, but like we tend to bury those because I don't know, they can be embarrassing or who wants to admit that they screwed up. But on the other hand, those things are so memorable and you can learn so much from what went wrong, mm. maybe even more so than from what went right. You know, like, mm. what do you think mm. about that sort of storytelling that's not not like negative, you know, not just like a, a bummer exactly, but that doesn't hide away all the problems and trials and tribulations that it took to eventually get to that success. Yeah, I actually think conflict is part of a good story. Like yeah. the, the, the most interesting or in either entertaining or inspiring movies, books, whatever, TV shows that we are all streaming these days are the ones that have a good element of conflict. And, and, yeah. and so, so that is an important, I've kind of maybe glossed over that, but that's the reason when you asked me what beekeeper is, we start with the disconnect because that's the conflict that we help our customers right. resolve. 
with the frontline success system. I mean, my answer to that is more just what I said that the in order for the resolution of a story, you know, that to pay, to pay off well, the conflict has to be real and relatable. So in in the yes. in the in the you know realm of of beekeeper, this idea of frontline disconnect, most people get a light bulb when you say, yes, yeah, 70, 80% yeah. of my construction workers are on site and many of them speak different languages. They can't even communicate or collaborate with one another. Like they get that. There's an implied yeah. conflict or a challenge. So the payoff of now imagine all of them can talk to each other in their own language on the phone. If you have disabled individuals, like some of the people on our teams will be deaf and have had no opportunity to have a conversation with a colleague, giving them beekeeper makes them happy because now they get to feel more part of the team. It was the conflict that made the resolution feel good. Yeah, for sure. It's, I think every good story has that built into it, right? Yep. Whether it's a comedy, a tragedy. Yep. It's the simple formula of, as you said, the hero's journey. And it's the hero on a journey to accomplish some goal and overcome obstacles and troubles along the way. And that's where the drama and tension comes from. Yep. Yep. And the payoff. Basically. Yeah. And, the payoff. and the payoff. Right. Yep. And it can be... A happy payoff, it can be a sad payoff, right? Comedy yeah. or tragedy or, or whatever. You know, I I wonder if the reason that storytelling can be challenging is because it can be – it might not be so obvious what what stories a brand has to tell or, like, which are the good stories to tell, you know? Mm -hmm. You guys were really smart in saying, well, let's ask our customers for their stories, mm -hmm. right? Which is a pretty common tactic, although probably kind of underused. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a totally ubiquitous. Like everybody does customer testimonials or case yeah. studies. But so many of them are boring. Right. So many of them are, are well, we achieved 80% adoption of Beekeeper and blah, 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 blah. Like who cares? Then what? Because you, you haven't really embraced the, the, the architecture of a good story. You've like jumped to the, to the last scene. But you haven't set up the characters or the conflict. You haven't like told the jokes or built the drama. So the punchline falls flat. And, you know, as I look across even our library, content library, and all of the stories that we have out there, we are constantly challenging ourselves to like go deeper, be more curious, be more emotional. Yeah. I think one of the 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 evils or the 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 sharp edge in the age of the internet and social media and like sound bites and thumb scrolling and like the amount of content and all the different uh, networks and formats. It's like an, an exponential growth of, of the kinds of stuff we have to be creating all the time. Yeah. It's very easy to fall into a habit of just box, check the box, check the box, check the box, like just, just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And, and that, it's true in our long form content. It's true in our case studies, our customer storytelling. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's perhaps back to your fails question. That might be the examples or the times where things fall short is we, yeah. get, we get complacent or too clinical in our, in our, you know, desire to just keep shipping stuff out the door, testing, 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 try and try, try. And, and we allow the quality of, of the content to, to be sacrificed a little. It's a it's, balance. It, yeah, they can't all be, yeah. you know, right. the best. But. Right, but right, but that is something to keep an eye on, right? Mm -hmm. to, to maybe step back every now and again or do a content audit and be like, how, what are we actually putting out there? Could we change it up? Could it be better? And mm -hmm. the answer is almost always, well, yes, it could always right. be better. Right. And going back to what you said about case studies, 
which is probably the most common form of like storytelling content that you see, right? Or it just like it lends itself very naturally to telling a story. But I agree with you that a lot of them are kind of boring. And at least for me, it's often because like, well, I already know the end. I know the outcome. They bought your product. Yeah. Surprise, you saved surprise. the day. Yeah. They had a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You came in yeah. with your magical whatever, right, solved right. all the problems, and we all lived happily ever after. I'm like, I don't even know if I need to read it. You know, it's, it's, I kind of know the point. And yeah, maybe the way to make them less boring is like what you're suggesting, get, go deeper on the problem, like focus it more on the hero, the customer and their problem. And you obviously don't want to ignore the solution, but I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, but I agree with you that a lot of them are just not as compelling as you'd want them to be. There's one little tactic that we use to try to avoid that or that that my team gets and maybe annoyed or sick of hearing from me but the purposely provocative question who cares so what Mm, yeah like why why is anybody going to care about this this story or this case study i'll say another place that we've been applying this concept of storytelling though is as we enable our sales team Mm-hmm. with how to demo the product or how to explain what we do in the in the qualification process and the early pitching process as you're going through one or m- multiple demos if you're doing an enterprise sales process if you are leaning more into the low touch high velocity sales cycle still arming those buyers with access to stories about the the capabilities that are grounded in their worlds not ours so mm-hmm. common example would be, hey, we will help you, Jeremy, digitize your forms and automate your, your workflows. And that is how our product engineers and developers think about the features and capabilities. And it's right. It's accurate. But mm-hmm. who cares? So what? Like, who cares that you can digitize a former? So now when we describe our product, we say, we'll help you solve your onboarding challenge because we know the turnover and hiring is so acute right now in any frontline business. Almost everybody is struggling to onboard employees well. The onboarding experience is a is a true indicator of retention down the line. If the employees have a good experience, they're more likely to stay. They're more likely to be productive more quickly. And so here's how we're going to help you have a better onboarding experience. And it just so happens that it's going to include not making them fill out paper forms. It's going to include giving them training in micro doses right on their phone that they can consume whenever they want. We're just going to give them a better experience. And that would be, mm. I've set up the conflict and the resolution in the context of the pro- product with the user and or the customer at the center of that. Yeah, that's a great example. And also, I noticed that you use just regular English. Yeah. Not jargon as opposed to like op- digitize your workflows. Like, right. what does that even actually mean? I mean, I, yeah. you know what I'm like? And yeah. so I, I think that's another important element of good storytelling, using language, literally it, words that resonate with your audience and staying away typically from like jargon and buzzwords and that kind of thing, which make it sound just like more marketing. And boring. Yeah. Yeah. And confusing. Also just, conf- unclear. Totally. Yeah. Vague, unclear. Yes. Yep. So like, what, what are you at? What are you just tell me what you actually are saying like, without right. the, you know, right. the buzzwords so I can actually figure out if this makes any sense to me. Well, this has been really great. One thing I just love about doing this podcast is it's an education for me. You know, I get to talk to very smart people about mm. these really crucial topics and I feel like I learn so much. So 
Thank you. I, this was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really did, Jeremy. And I, I feel community with your audience. I've listened to some of your, your episodes. I think it's really awesome what you're doing to, to help us learn from each other, learn each other's stories, you know, collaborate with one another, even if we've never met. So thank you for, for providing this service to the world. We appreciate you. You are so welcome. Thank you for your kind words. <laughs> awesome. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.